0: Welcome to another episode of the Dads on the Fly podcast, a podcast all about inspiring and encouraging dads and anglers as we wade through fishing, parenting, and faith on the fly. Coming up on episode 51 of the Dads on the Fly
1: podcast, the dads interview Mr. Andrew McNeese from Bluff Line Media. Hear how Andrew turned a side hustle creating cool videos in northwest Arkansas into just an amazing documentary of America's first national river. It's a great conversation with Andrew, and it goes into a lot of great things,
0: not only fly fishing related, but working hard and being a great dad. Enjoy this interview with Andrew McNeese from Bluffline Media. Dads on the Fly is brought
1: to you by Pigeon River Outfitters. Pigeon River Outfitters, the place for your family adventure on the Pigeon River right here in beautiful western North Carolina. Make sure and check them out and take a tube float or you can take a fishing float. Take a uh, raft, whatever you and your family would like to take down the beautiful Pigeon River. So make sure to check Charles and his gang
0: out at PigeonRiverOutfittersNC.com for a wonderful day with your family right here on the Pigeon River.
1: All right, Caleb, so here we are, episode 51, Dad's on the Fly, and we have a special guest tonight, man. I have... You know me, I go down rabbit holes looking for trips, right? And no better way to find out about a trip or to go somewhere and fish than to catch a cool, a cool video. And so the first time I was ever introduced to our guest content tonight was I came across a video called Cure for Cabin Fever. And if you want to check that out, folks, we'll put it in the show notes. And it is by Bluffline Media. And so tonight we have with us I don't know his official title. He is the man behind Bluffline Media, and that is Mr. Andrew McNeese. And so, Andrew, thanks for being with us tonight, man.
2: Thank you for having me, fellas. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, Andrew, we really appreciate you taking some time to hang out with us. Uh, We have highly enjoyed your uh, YouTube content and all of your videos that are out there, and uh, they they do get us excited about fishing. Uh, They helped us find uh, one of our favorite gods that we got to go see uh, in your video, Cure for cabin fever uh we went and hung out with daniel not long after we watched that video and uh man what an awesome video that was and you've done so many other great ones and i know we're
1: going to get into a lot of that here in just a few minutes but before we get into bluff line and all of your amazing videos which we're going to talk about some a little more in detail but tell us a little bit about how you started fly fishing man you you live currently in mississippi correct
2: no, I'm in, well, I'm in northwest Arkansas now, but I'm okay. from Mississippi. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm from Tupelo, Mississippi, and I, I spent about a decade in uh, Oxford, Mississippi. I'm an Ole Miss grad. I uh, hope that doesn't upset anybody. Um, I graduated Ole Miss in 2006, um, and uh, I became a educator, a high school history teacher in Water Valley, Mississippi. I was there for five years while I was there. I was working on a master's. Um, In educational leadership from uh, online at Arkansas State. And we would come up to the Ozarks quite a bit. I mean, it's kind of the closest from North Mississippi, you know, it's the closest, like, nice kind of, I mean, they're smaller mountains, you know. Uh, than what you guys have over there but you know they're bigger hills than what we have in north mississippi <laughs> and so that's where you go on the weekends you know about a five hour to seven hour trek up here and, and you're you're in the hills and it's a different world so we would do that a lot we kind of fell in love with the area um my wife and i and we were just when we finished it we were both we're both educators we were working on our master's degrees and we thought you know i don't know if you guys have heard but teacher pay in mississippi uh, conditions for educators in mississippi it, it is not the best in the country <laughs> and uh and i hate that for them by the way you know they're hemorrhaging uh, good teachers there and that's that's a shame but that's a whole nother topic but anyway <laughs> we, we were looking for places around the country to uh, move and uh to further our education careers and with some better working conditions and believe it or not i mean we were looking at your area uh, we were looking at the front range in Colorado. We were looking, we were looking at a lot of places and Northwest Arkansas here, you know, there's, uh, Walmart, of course, J.B. Hunt, Tyson. There's, it's a huge growing uh, thing here. Great economy. Uh, and the secret's out, I guess, but it's, uh, it's been wonderful. We moved up here in, um, 2016 and w- w- we had decided we got married, uh, the year prior and we decided before when we were, this is getting lengthy. So
0: go for it. You're doing great, man. Thanks.
2: <laughs> um, but we had decided to move up here about two years before we actually made, made the move. And of course I had spent a lot of time out in the Rockies and, uh, college and such. I did summer jobs. Uh, I lived in Seattle for a year. I took off college to find quote unquote, I was like finding myself. I didn't know what to do. So I like took a year off of college and lived in Seattle and did a lot of camping and and hiking there. Uh, I worked at Glacier National Park for a summer, a Bryce Canyon National Park in Utah a summer. I just got to interject. So
1: are I, you, are you fishing all this time or have you got a flyer on no. your hand? Okay. You don't. No.
2: Oh, yeah. And I know. And I, I look back on it now and I'm like, man, I missed out because there were so <laughs> many good opportunities and I didn't even know, but you know, I was a kid and, um, and, and the industry was not what it is now. Like it, fly fishing was for those older, wealthier guys. Yeah, good point. It's a great point, man. You know, this was back. You know, this was back in. Oh God, what did I say? Uh, yeah, I graduated high school in '03. I would have been doing this in like 05, 06. So was yeah. there wasn't back. a
1: lot of school teachers out there on the water, like <laughs> like me and you, at, in in that time period.
2: Now it's the, the industry has democratized, I guess you'd say it's for for the everyman now. And there's all sorts of ways to fly fish now. There's not like the one, you know, so it's, but anyway, and we all know that, but no, uh, in fact, I picked up my first camera when I was at Glacier because I didn't do any photography at all. Um, My only like creative outlet, I guess was like campfire, you know, acoustic guitar. And that was like all I had, you know, but I, you know, I got a few girlfriends that way. (laughs) that was pretty good but when i was out at glacier i found uh that i needed to take pictures of this this is pretty nice you know i need to be able to remember that you know so we would go out hiking i would uh so i got an old um uh, at the pawn shop because i was totally broke i got an old canon rebel you know there was a a film camera and uh man i didn't know anything about any of that but i got some cool pictures that summer so that was where that began but now i wasn't fly fishing for any of that but i sort of this was a growing thing i wanted to become a fly fisherman i wanted to do more of it but in mississippi again the the outdoor uh, culture in mississippi is really centered around hunting yeah um primarily and if it's fishing it's certainly not fly fishing you know it's crappie and bass in the lakes and such you know so um and i did a little bit of that but it, it wasn't it wasn't as for me so um uh, you know, I got when, when we knew we were moving to the Ozarks, it's like I had heard the Ozarks had some pretty cool trout fishing. So uh, I, I bought a rod and was practicing down there in the farm ponds for about a year, uh, getting ready to move up. And so, and I, you know, I still fumble around, but um, yeah, as soon as we came up, I was like, where, where can we move where I've got some water nearby? So right now, where we found, I've got uh, some tail water about 20 minutes this way, and I've got a state park just over the border in Missouri, uh, Roying River State Park up here that's spring fed. Um, about twenty minutes in the other direction, so it's a pretty good deal.
0: Fantastic, man! That's awesome.
1: That, that's great. I think it's. I. I, uh, I had this. I've told this story before on the podcast, but I had the same thing. I went to school at Appalachian State and never picked up a fly rod until I'm after I got out of college. So same deal. I had all that water around me, and <laughs> and now I'm here. And so, so I, I feel your pain on that one. But I, I want to say I, I didn't really have this in the plan to go into the show, but now that you've already brought it up, I, I just got to ask. Just in watching your content, which we're going to go into, but the Ozarks are now on like I, I've just got to do a trip there. I mean, I know what you're saying about maybe it's not like our mountains, but man, from from your stuff and just and really your stuff is my only exposure to it. That place looks like just some amazing and different kinds of trout water. Like you have these different options. Um, mm-hmm. so you obviously fell in love with it. Can you just speak for, I mean, you've done a whole series on it, but just speak for your love of the, of that area.
2: Well, I say it's kind of like, uh, the Black Hills is, you know, in South Dakota to the Rockies. We're sort of like that level to a- Appalachian. Yeah, I, you guys, at your highest peak, what, Mount Mitchell, some, uh, is yeah. there in North Carolina, mm-hmm. yes, like, sir. uh, what, six, 6,000 feet, Something like a little that. over six so the highest we get here is still less than three i think it's somewhere like 2800 feet something like this and you'd have to fact check me on that don't quote me on that but um you know so they're and and the, the ozarks are a plateau they're not they don't rise out they're it's erosion over a really long period of time and so it cuts down into these valleys and so it's sort of when you get to the top of the hill it's can see like how it levels and then it all drops from there so it's 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 pretty different and it's also more arid here than what you guys have over there yeah uh we have road runners and cactus and you know some of that kind of thing where you guys have those old spruce and uh, eastern hemlock you know and and that's really cool um so it's you know it's different um but it has that similar feel you know it's it's sort of it was very insular uh, over the generations you know people that came up into these he- hills i mean it's hard to farm there's just the, the you know the ground just new rocks you know and yeah. it's, you know you can't till it up so it's it, it they were hunters uh, they hunted a lot of black bear to extinction here i'm getting off into the history why am i doing no this
0: that? is awesome keep going
2: <laughs> uh, but uh but no so it, it's it's it feels similar in a lot of ways and even though it's not quite as grand in some ways yes we have a, a good variety of fly fishing um we ha- we don't have a lot of those like little streams where you guys go and you know tenkara out or uh you know euro nymph out the uh the brook trout we do have some smaller streams like uh, crane creek in episode two the, mostly what you see there are spring fed creeks. And for whatever reason, there are a lot more of those, um, in Missouri, in the Missouri Ozarks. It's almost like as soon as you cross over the border, they just proliferate. Like, so we have in Arkansas, the spring river. Um, and we have the little sugar Creek over here, uh, in Bentonville where I teach. Um, that's about it. But as soon as you go over into Missouri, there are just springs swelling up all over the place. And one of the my favorite places to fish in the Ozarks, I, because I like wade fishing, I've had some good experiences over on the Current River, which is in episode four of Ozarks on the Fly, um, and it's a it's it's a nice size, it's pretty big for a creek, you know. It's it comes through and it's it's easy to wade, um, but man, it's got some it's got some massive trout in there. Wow. Um, A lot of creeks have a a much smaller fish. Uh, And then our tailwaters, you know, so um, really the spring, that's the big two. You know, we have the spring fed creek. And I I guess I'm just speaking for trout here because we have, of course, lots of other types of fishing. But for trout, which is mainly what, what I do and what a lot of guys do, of course, is spring fed creeks in Missouri and then the tailwaters. And for some, whatever reason, I guess most of the tailwaters, except for most are on the White River. Uh, that have the best trout populations, of course, and the below the dam in Branson, Missouri, which is kind of, Branson's a crazy town, you know, it's kind of like your Pigeon Forge or your, uh, yeah, uh, Gatlinburg area. Oh, yeah. uh, so it's great for the family. So you take your family over, you know, and they enjoy that stuff, and you try to sneak off to go fish the <laughs> That's
0: a the way to do it. Yeah. Um,
2: that's the one in Missouri, and really, and I'm I can't think of another solid Missouri tailwater, so yeah, the the rest are in in Arkansas, and of course that's where the man, that's where the hogs are, and that's where all the guides are. So. All
1: right, well, let's talk about. I want to go back and break that down. You you mentioned some yeah. Ozark on the Fly episodes, and I know some of our listeners may be completely new to your content. So I want to go back and just say, how did it go from getting a Rebel camera at a pawn shop, a Canon Rebel camera, to you producing and creating and i know you write a lot of this stuff and just the whole you're the whole man behind the show where, where did bluff line come from like was it just one of those days you are just sitting around and hey i'm gonna do this or did it over time
2: it's, it's it's sort of uh you know it's you talk to a lot of people and they have this similar uh refrain it's like uh if you'd asked me 10 years ago, would I ever be making fly fishing films? I told you you're crazy, you know? So, so, so um, this fella, uh, I was doing a photo shoot, which I just, I had just moved here and I just happened to be uh, invited along. A good photographer named Tanner Burge called me up. He was doing a photo shoot down on the little red river for a local apparel company named uh, rock monkey. And so I was just a tag along, just meeting some people, just having some fun. Um, and maybe he had seen a few fishy pictures I had posted or something. I don't know. But I was, I was really green back then on all that. So, uh, But I met some fishing guides while I was down there that were a part of the shoot. One of them called me up, a guy named Ben Woodard, and he was trying to start up, a young guy, trying to start up a fly rod company here in Arkansas called Woodard Rod Co. Uh, and he wanted to make, to sort of kick off the brand and get some attention, Uh savvy idea. He wanted to make a documentary, hadn't been made before. Um, uh, showcasing fly fishing in Arkansas. So he wanted to call it Fly Fish Arkansas. We were going to go to the White River, the Little Missouri down in the Ouachita Mountains in southern Arkansas, and the Little Red River and hit those, those three spots uh, and sort of turned that into a documentary. So he called me up. Uh, we got along out on the shoot and said, hey, you want to make this documentary for me? Um, I said, you know, I, I've never made anything. I've never made a film. I'm a photographer and not a great one at that. And he's like, well, you know, I don't have a lot of money and I like your stuff and we got along. So let's, let's do it. You know? And I, I asked, I told my wife I'm like this, this guy wants me to make a film for him. It's like, <laughs> um, but it's one of those things. It's like, I figure I it'll be decent. I guess, you know, I feel like I could do it maybe, um, you know, and we'll, it falls apart, you know, I don't, So I get, anyway, sometimes in life you just need to say, yeah, you know? So I said, yeah. Uh, And don't go back and watch that. It's not very good, (laughs) but um, uh, so, but after that, I had a blast doing it, met a lot of great guys, uh, fishermen guides, just, just a great experience overall. Uh, And it was fun doing the premieres. We had a few premieres. And so I thought I can do better, you know, it's like, yeah, it's my first go and this is just silliness. So, let's get, let's hone the skills a little bit and have some more fun. And I thought, well, if I'm going to be doing more of this, I need to just make a little business out of it. Um, so there you go. And so in 2018, uh, I wanted to sort of continue. And I guess in my mind sort of do it the right way. Like if mm-hmm. I could do fly fish, Arkansas, again, what would it be like and how could I maybe flesh the story out and make it more cohesive or, uh, not cohesive, but, uh, um, more all-encompassing i can't think of the word i'm i'm looking for but um yeah uh, just a a more thorough uh look at at fly fishing in the ozarks and so that's how ozarks on the fly got kicked up
1: so so let's just talk about ozarks on the fly because because you brought it up and i just i love that series so much because it tells and guys you got to go check it out on youtube it's, it's bluffline media we we'll, we'll give your all you let you give you all your links and stuff here in a minute but if you'll go to Ozarks on the fly it it tells this story of it it tells different stories like you talked about different rivers earlier as you were throwing out some episodes but it it tells these different stories of people um like the the man um the the episode one the home waters episode where he he, he's on this farm that he you know has been on for for years And, and that guy seems really cool and he's fishing you know that I think he's in a little canoe on like his farm and just a cool episode. And then my favorite episode, um, I think it's volume, volume six, uh, wild and scenic. Um, I don't know if it's just because the brother connect or like, you know, me and my brother are fishing. It's like, I could see us doing that trip. Um, you know, in that. And so what I want to ask you is, do you, do you seek these people out for that series? Did you say, Hey, I know about these people or, did you do a lot of research to find them and then you kind of scripted and wrote that? Like I'm totally new to it. I, I tried to make one video. It was horrible. That's why we do a podcast now. Uh, but, but, uh, but uh, like, did you just write all that? How does, how does that work?
2: Uh, well, I don't write anything. I met a lot of those guys, uh, while I was out doing Flyfish Arkansas, mm. uh, Josh Trammell, the guy in the first one, we went out and uh, filmed a lot for Flyfish Arkansas. And so, um, You know, they just they ended up being buddies, you know, fishing buddies. And, you know, you meet up, uh, you meet these guys on Instagram and Facebook and stuff and the the groups and different things like that. And it's like, hey, you know, I'm looking for this next episode to have more variety. I'd really like to do some maybe maybe an overnight float like you saw in uh, episode six. Well, who who would be best for that? Well, I had met uh, those brothers doing Fly Fish, Arkansas. And, I, you know, you follow them and you see what they're up to. And like those guys do that all the time. So it was just me sort of tagging along um, that beforehand. We always talk on the phone and it's like, OK, well, how can we make this a story? And you don't need much for the story. It's like you just need a loose like, OK, what is this about other than fishing? Because a lot of it is just going to be about fishing. Um, so yeah. You know, what is it like to be a, just a kind of a simple farmer, you know, out in the country, out there uh, and have the and raise a family, you know, as God fearing simple way of life, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And and, you know, let's get a feel for that in the film. Uh, and that's really all you need. And so where's the little creek, you know, down the road that you go to if you want to take your boy out in the afternoon and you're not trying to do some big trip? Well, let's let's hit that up, you know. Um, and. And those boys that they float all the time with volume four, we ended up with Grady Powell, who's, he's now the host of uh, forged in fire on Netflix. I mean, this guy, that was just luck. We landed on that guy and um, he was a green beret. And it's like, well, he didn't really have PTSD, but you know, we got to make a story. So figure it out. You know, It's like, well, you know, why, why do you like fly fishing? Well, it's, you know, being in combat, you, you have a lot of highs, you have a lot of lows, you know, it's intense. And then there's these, you know, it's, it's a lot of waiting and calm and then there's these intense moments and, and fly fishing sort of resembles that in a way. Mm, and so, you wow. know, you just find it, you just figure it out. Um, but you don't need a lot for a story. You just have to, uh, you know, and that's, but no, I've never written anything down. It's just like, um, but well, and another part of it is I don't do narration. You know, I let them, I just interview them and, that if you let them talk enough and you ask them enough questions and you kind of, you know, you can piece it together after that.
1: I mean, it's kind of like, you know, you said something about uh, meeting people on Instagram. It's kind of like eventually this guy keeps messaging me on Instagram called Dad's on the Fly. And, and you're finally like, what are these dudes doing? Hey, maybe I'll go be on their podcast. <laughs> <But Exactly>. after- <laughs> and,
2: and you never know. I could be over there filming with you guys for two or three years from now. It's just that's kind of how it was gone. Well, and that's the deal with Daniel over in Georgia. Um, he just, so he was in, he was a, fly, uh, he was a moonshine rods ambassador, Yeah, moonshine rods saw the films and hopped on and was sending me rods. And so we were both kind of affiliated with moonshine, uh, Landon, uh, the fellow that's in that one from New York. Well, yep. that became the story. Cause it's like, well, okay, well, how can we make this a story? Well, Landon can't fish right now. yeah. So he's coming down to fish down South and, and let's try to promote the winter you know folks for up, folks up north let's try to convince them to come down here uh to fish with us to help the guide service so it's just a big ad really <laughs> yeah. well uh, go ahead.
0: I, I just think it's really cool though because the way you do all those we talk about this a lot with us you know fly fishing is great we love fishing and all but a lot of a lot of the fly fishing videos that are out there are just I think we were talking about this off air a little bit. They're just dudes catching fish over and over again. And that's cool. And, like, if you're wanting to see a specific river and maybe learn a little bit about that river, that's great. But I, I do love that about your videos, the stories that you
1: tell, the people that you meet, the the, the
0: characters that you kind get of to, to get to experience,
1: I think is really great. But you can tell, and I didn't know this before, talking to you on the phone the other day, but now it makes perfect sense that you're a history teacher because you bring Sounds out weird. so much of the history – of those rivers like the whichever volume is on the uh on the white river and, and i remember that little intro to it about how it talks about the you know you've got somebody reading or a reading there about the history of the first settlers that came in that river and scattered the deer and all that and then like so like as a history guy i'm locked in before there's even a yeah. fish in the video like i'm just like I'm, I'm, I'm all in before we ever meet a guide or before we ever see a fish and to be able to do that in what you also said off air in saturated kind of more content now than I think has ever been in the fly fishing industry is a big kudos to you. And then I think it's even awesome that you say you just kind of make it happen. Cause that's kind of what we try to do with this podcast. <laughs> just, we kind of just make well, it happen but, on the fly. So it's kind of awesome that you say that.
2: Well, I'm not, and I'm not just trying to be humble or, you know, I mean, it's, You're right. I mean, being a history teacher, you're you're trying to keep the kids engaged, which is difficult for teenagers, especially today when you're competing with social media and everything. And so you've got to be on in the classroom. You got to you got to keep them going. And you're telling a story. That's all history is telling a good story. So I've been doing that for years now. And I guess part of that makes this easier for me. Um, Well, and I guess it's not it's not all as easy as I I say, you know, so um, for that episode, I think that was episode five on the White River, or no, that was the North Fork River. Okay, so the North Fork of the White episode. I went over and we fished with Brad Smith on the tailwater here in Arkansas, and the whole episode was gonna be about the Bonneville cutthroat trout that had been introduced with the vibrant box system by uh, uh, Dave Whitlock, you know, who designed that back in the 70s and who's responsible for the brown trout introduction the wild brown trout uh, here in the Ozarks. Well, and that, and by the way, that vibrant egg box, you guys may know this is used all over now to introduce a new species of fish. Well, I've decided I'm never going to try to make another film where we are, it's going after a target species, okay? Um, (laughs) Because we fished hard, y'all. We fished hard (laughs) for like a week. And uh, he was, he was getting tired of me. (laughs) (laughs) I was putting the the board Brad to work, but, um, we never caught one and he just, we just knew we were going to catch one. And, um, and apparently they haven't actually done very well. We don't know that they're, they're going to make it, you know, it was a good shot and people were catching them for a minute, but they've kind of drifted off. So, um, but we were catching these huge brown trout, biggest fish of the whole series. And we were like cussing when we kept bringing this huge brown trout because it's not a cutthroat. which is just ridiculous, (laughs) you know? So and so but then I'm like, well, I don't have a story now because that was the whole thing. And we had interviewed about the Bonneville and all this, you know, (laughs) so I came home and I just didn't know what to do. And I sat on that footage for quite a long time. And I said, well, you know, let's do the tell. We already shot at the Tellwater. Let's go do up in Missouri. And then we've got two states. We've got the same river, but two very different situations. We've got two different seasons and we'll just call it a Tell of two rivers. And so that, that came later because I didn't know what to do. <laughs> that was kind of, that, that episode has, that's actually my most viewed episode, um, which is exciting, but, uh, that is the braggondiest thrown together <laughs> story. That's the way it usually um, goes, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, but we call it big fish. So.
0: Yeah. That's probably what r- reigns everybody. in. they see those big Brown trout and, uh, it's pretty exciting. Mm. Yeah. Well, uh, your newest film is uh, is out now, which we're really excited about. We've had a check chance to check it out. Uh, it's called Undammed, and it's the story of the Buffalo River. And man, I got to tell you that it's an it's another great story. It's an, I love all the different characters that you introduce into that uh, to really tell the story. And it's so funny. I feel like the main character in that story is the river in the river system, and you're telling the story of it throughout the entire. Uh, it's kind of life cycle becoming a. Uh, is it a national? Is a national uh, park or national river? How does, how does that work? I can't really remember. Um,
2: it's it's a little goofy. It's it's the first technically the first national river. However, yeah. there were already wild and scenic rivers that had been protected, but it's still on the early end of things. And it's a it's a national park designation.
0: Gotcha. So it's got the national park designation. You tell that story of how that all came to be. Such an awesome, uh, movie. Such a such a great way to bring it all about. And I do love the fact that you get into the history of all that. So what was that, what was that like for you, uh, creating that video? I feel, is that your longest video to date?
2: Oh yeah. Yeah, Yeah. for
0: sure. So I feel like you had to put a lot into it for sure.
2: Yeah, it was about two years, uh, of planning and reaching out to people. Uh, and again, you just find people on Instagram and, um, it's, uh, so, you know, it's it's sort of the cornerstone of the Ozark Waters, you know. We we have other great rivers in the Ozarks, but that one the it's in the heart of the Boston Mountains and the hills are bigger there. Um it's a really long river. There's a lot of different wilderness areas that are attached to it. Um and it was just inev- and that was actually going to be the 10th. I was going to make 10 Ozarks on the fly and uh that was going to be the 10th sort of finale episode doing the smallies there on the the buffalo and they're not the biggest smallmouth it's it's not the best fishery in the ozarks but it's mm. just it's it's the quintessential river and so it, it needs to be done and i have a buddy uh, that's a photographer that's helped me out on a number of projects and uh he lit he lives on the buffalo uh on the upper buffalo and does a lot of the uh or i guess he does all of the media for the buffalo outdoor center there on the upper river and you know the, uh, the upper buffalo river the valleys through there and the trails and the all that it really does remind me probably more of Appalachia than than anything else in the Ozarks. And I think anybody that's traveled the whole world would find it beautiful and and really something to see there. You know, it might not be as grand like I say but uh you know hey they've got a herd of elk down there in the field so that's cool. Uh but I mean, you know, it's it's more uh what would you say intimate I guess and um, it's, it's something to see, uh, especially in fall or in spring when the rivers flow and fall with the colors. But, but yeah, so anyway, that we just tackled that, like we do the small, the short film. So the idea was, well, let's branch out from fishing. So more people will actually mm-hmm. care about looking at it. Um, and so we tried to think of all the different, uh, recreational outdoor activities people do in and around the Buffalo. And we wanted to touch on all of them. And so each of them is sort of like a three, minute, just as if we were doing an Ozark on the fly, just interview that person, show them, showcase them doing what they do. Uh, and then, you know, ask them all comparable questions while, you know, so that we can tie it all together. Um, and it, the idea for the story and how it was going to be set up changed as we went because of what people would say and how the interviews went and, and where things fit. Um, but that, yeah, that turned out to be a kind of a big deal. We it was, It's 50 minutes long, so it's my first really like full-length documentary. Um, we got some big names in the Ozarks involved, like Tim Ernst and Mike Mills and such. So um, those those are well-known folks in the outdoor community here in the Ozarks. So that was exciting. Um, we got some great sponsors involved. And then we set up premieres. We had six premieres across the state. I mean, we had premieres where 250 people showed up. We sold out a few and did some extras and did you signed your so first autographs signed autographs <laughs> and took pictures and kissed babies <laughs> you know, it was, it was kind of crazy um yeah. but you know people love the river and i we i'm proud of it i think we did it justice and people are excited to see it because you know that's where they go all that's where they have childhood memories and they take their kids now and all that and, um so it was exciting to be able to do that um it was quite an endeavor uh at the end of it you know it's like i don't think i'll ever try a film that big again but who knows maybe in a year it'll wear off and i'll want to get back at it um but it's it's awesome yeah so we've got it on vimeo right now for rent we're actually at 50 percent off right now probably not at the time this airs and then uh just this week for back to school thing and then we're hopefully it'll be on amazon prime in the next month or two um for a while and uh, you know one day in a year or so maybe we'll stick it out on youtube but Fancy. Trying to get a little return on investment there. It was no, a, to say it was a shoestring budget is an
1: understatement. No, you you deserve it for sure. And so, just to tell people, um, how, we'll, we'll go back into how to find that. But I, I just want people to understand that this river, because beca- here in North Carolina, we we have some some access issues. Like we, we had another episode where we talked about that. But to my understanding, after watching the film, this river. It, it's public all the way right like i mean you camp pretty much all the way down like everywhere banks and everything right. seems to be like i mean you get a great you, and you what you what you said to, to everyone is you, you featured a, a, a trail runner uh, a biker um there were some some kayak paddleboarders mm-hmm. um, i mean like you said fishing was well just one of those clips in this film and like caleb said you really do just like i mean starring the buffalo river like it's it's starring that river and how it has been really and i think it says it in the film how people at some point in history said look we got to protect this resource and they've done a great yeah. job
2: well it's they were really pretty rapidly building dams all across the state um and i think uh mike mills says it in the film that they, they were going to put as many dams in arkansas as the government let them i mean that yeah there was a quote from a congressman that was like all rivers should be dammed. it's like an inevitability and a natural thing that humans you know harness the power of these you know so i mean they had plans to put two different dams on that and essentially that would have meant all of the major rivers uh in the arkansas ozarks anyway would have been lakes uh, you know it's just it's there were some really forward thinking people at the time that ruffled a lot of feathers by saying, you know what, we, we like this river. <laughs> this is the prettiest river in the Ozarks. We've already lost all these others. Are we really going to let this one go, too? Um, and so, yeah, and it, it, that was pretty that was just a savvy move on the Arkansas legislators. They said, you know, let's and this is when Nixon was in office. They finally got it through but they said, you know, let's not do just another wild and scenic river. Let's call it the first national river. Mm. Um, and I think part of that is because it does have all of these wilderness, wilderness areas connected to it. And there's really a lot more to it than just the river. Uh, there's tons, tons of acres of of hiking and, uh, and just wilderness out there. That's, um, that you don't see necessarily with other wild and scenic rivers. And and tell us Uh, just
1: to remind, you know, I've watched the film, but just to let our listeners know, the the river starts where?
2: It starts. The headwaters start up in the Boston Mountains uh, n- near the Mulberry River headwaters as well, and the King River uh, headwaters near White Rock Mountain, um, which is a beautiful area. And it heads all the way over to the White River, uh, not too far downriver from uh, the Bull Shoals Dam and that that great section of the White that all that's you know famous for you know the great trout fishing so
1: it's over like 100 miles uh, right
2: it's 135 miles of navigable river Mm. but when you calculate in the upper headwaters and such it's it's longer than that so Uh, and and the prettiest part to to me and a lot of people is the upper third uh, and that's where most of the wilderness area uh, that has been developed with hiking trails and such is Um, there's a huge wilderness areas uh, down on the southern end of it There's really not a lot of access for the last 30 miles of the river. If you want a wilderness experience in the Ozarks, you put in and there's not another takeout until you hit the White River and you've got to take out on the White River. And that's kind of fun, too, because you ride 30 miles of just wilderness in the lower section with these huge bluffs all around you. And then you hit the White River and you catch a few trout before you hop out. (laughs) That's, That's neat that's, that, that's an experience and that we were planning on doing that for the film and our water levels and see this isn't a spring fed river either so our water levels it just dropped just too doggone low to do it so that's the way it goes
0: it is man well uh awesome film can't can't say enough about it highly encourage everybody to go check it out just such a cool story the history of that river the characters that you introduce i mean the tim Ertz guy talking about naming the waterfalls and stuff that was just so cool and uh i think it uh, is that uh mike mills who really knows a lot about it and dives into the the history behind it i i soak sucked that stuff up i thought it was really neat to hear kind of how uh all the work that got put into creating such a great resource
2: well i, I appreciate that well and you notice it, it is still kind of fishy fish heavy you know oh of course
1: I, no you could tell it's a fit i mean yeah i mean it's a fishing th- th- there's a lot you could tell you love fishing. sure and you could tell like <laughs> just watching the different parts of the river you could say yeah. hey i mean yeah for sure yeah i mean the yeah, stuff we you've got there we with come back uh
2: to, we come back to the fishing more often than anything else that's for sure absolutely. but you know <laughs> it's uh it's one of those things uh I didn't know if I was going to be able to pull it off and I didn't know what it was going to turn into. And I really should, I didn't have any business trying to make a film that, that big with just really with just me and Jeff as my photographer and we're shooting on running gun, like, uh, you know, Fuji cameras, just DSLR cameras. Uh, the audio on this podcast is, you know, more about audio than I do. So it's like, we were just, I would say winging it, but not far from that. And, um, but it's sort of just like a simplified formula. And I, I think it looks pretty clean. You know, we we didn't shoot it in 4K. Um, you just get the right people. And I found that a, a lot of filmmakers, and I know you were saying that uh, you tried to make a film and it didn't go well for you there. But uh, get out and do it again. Because uh, guy, guys, they get hung up on, on silly things and then they won't do it. Um, and I, I do not have the best equipment. I just, there's some stupid brain block or something. I'm like, let's give it a shot anyway. Um, and it's uh, it's doable. I think a lot of guys won't do this sort of thing because they're like, well, I don't have the best cameras or I've never flown a drone before or, you know, whatever. But it's the barrier to entry for something like this is almost, you know non-existent if you're just willing to get out and do it and really most 90 percent of it is just being there to, to get the shot if you if you get out there and you're in the elements you've got a camera in your hand well you know t- get, get the shot and you're good
1: well i just want to before we go to a, a, a little break here i want to let everybody know um you said that it's going to be on it's on vimeo now correct will it still will it stay on it's, vimeo until it goes to Prime?
2: uh it hopefully um and I'm still waiting to, to get some final word on this from uh, Amazon. Uh, you, I'm not a high priority, as you can imagine. Come on, Bezos,
0: um, <laughs> good with it. You should be like right up there with all the <laughs> but,
2: but I'm waiting on Bezos. I know. I'm sure you got
0: his email, right? So,
2: <laughs> <laughs> so um, when I hear back from them, I'll know more there. Hopefully, it will be able to sit in both locations.
1: But if you, uh, if you go to your website, I'm sure it'll have all the details there, correct?
2: Yes. Oh, yeah. Blufflinemedia.com. Uh, got everything you need to know. Sounds great.
0: We'll that. make sure to link it all in the show notes with this episode as well. Well, we're going to take a uh, short break short break with Mr. Andrew McNeese from Bluffline Media and we will be
1: right back. The dads on the Fly podcast is brought to you by Sly Fishing Outfitters. Sly Fishing Outfitters is a Massachusetts-based fly fishing company on a mission to protect you and your gear. From the elements, they have full-length fly fishing rod, socks, and gear. Make sure and check them out at Sly Fishing Outfitters dot Mr. Andrew from Bluffline Media in North Arkansas, North which way? North? Northwest. North, Northwest Arkansas. Oh, ge- don't you uh, teach geography? I know my geography should be better as a history <laughs> teacher. That's sad. But uh, so here's a man who. As you said, you, you make all these films and you're really the guy. You don't have like a staff or anything. And so I just had a curious question. When you're shooting these awesome Ozark videos, the video down with Daniel and, uh, you know, Cure for Cabin Fever down there, do you get to fish in any of these places? <laughs> or are you just solely shooting the whole time and, you you know, you're running the camera you never get to fish yourself? Or do you get to partake in any of those awesome places?
2: So... That's right. what a thoughtful question. Thank you for considering. My, I, I feel like <laughs> you should get, get to <laughs> <laughs> Uh Well, the, the truth of the matter is, no, I really don't. Um, and that's, it, it, that comes up every now and then the guys that are in the film, the guys that are fishing, uh, they're like, Hey, you're you going to pick up a rod, you know, stop worrying about filming so much. Or they kind of start feeling bad for me after a while because they're catching all the fish. Well, the way I kind of feel about it is, um, I so think of it this way they they catch the fish technically right and they're the one bringing it in but i'm catching the shot of them catching the fish i get to be there for the fish um once they get it in i've got to get some hopefully decent clips of it uh, and uh, in a very short amount of time and then i just get it back in the water you know safe and healthy all that so it's a uh, it's heightened uh everything's heightened the adrenaline's running it's all the same in fact i would say even more so because it's not just catching a fish and, and releasing it maybe taking a snap like it, we're doing this for a film and so um it's as fun if not more fun to to film it than it is to actually catch the fish and like when i go like say i want to go fishing i go down here to the tailwater down the road um i don't take the camera out i don't take pictures or anything like i just let the fish go because i don't want like if i go fishing i don't want to have anything to do with a camera at all so yeah yeah I, i've been there and thought man i really like to catch one of those uh, but you know it, it has happened a few times but most of the time That's
1: but, but i haven't thought about it that way you are in a high pressure got to get this shot oh we landed the big one or oh we landed this fish or that hole we thought was going to get us and eat did and uh now the pressure's on to to make the clip um and
2: the fish the fish don't know i'm filming (laughs) exactly yeah that's what i was just saying yeah (laughs) they're jerks man and that's what's so great about like uh uh, you know when i was filming the mountain bikers or whatever for undammed is like hey will you hit that jump again sure And they just do it. Can you, can you turn this way? And they just do it. Fish don't listen.
0: (laughs) If only they cooperated as easy. Yeah. I feel like that would be exactly what would happen if I was shooting a film and then I wanted to pick up a rod. As soon as I picked up a rod, that's when like fish of the day would get on. Like, you know, you'd miss your shot right then in that moment.
2: Right. Yeah. That's what it was. Well, and I, I have to say I've had good luck, man. I, you know, I haven't knock on wood for fly fish, Arkansas. The first thing we did we didn't really catch fish and I don't know what it was, but we hardly caught any fish for that whole 30 minute film. And it was just, we were desperate for them. But ever since I've started up Ozark on the fly and done these other outings and it, you know, a lot of it is I I take out great anglers, but that doesn't always work, you know, but I have a lot of talented Fisher anglers in Ozark. So, um, Yeah, I mean we've Our, caught fish.
1: Earlier he mentioned maybe coming up to shooting the Appalachians and then he said great anglers, so we we went from we maybe being on his film out. to now like <laughs> probably <laughs> never being on a film maybe. <laughs>
2: Well, uh,
0: listen, you know, uh, you are talking about maybe coming this way, but in general, what's, what's next for Bluffline? What are you excited about? What's, you got anything coming up in the future? You know, you just dropped this huge project. Like you said, I know it took a lot of taking a break
1: to teach the youth of America. (laughs) I mean, yeah. I mean,
0: you're, you're, you're you're a dad, you're uh, a teacher. You do this, you have this business on the side, you know, but are you excited about anything coming up?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I am, it's one of those things I try not to get too enthusiastic or excited about it because I want to be, I want to be tepid about it because, you know, yes. Okay. I don't, I don't explicitly like say this a lot, but you know, there is that thought in the back of my mind. Well, what if Bluffline were to keep growing and I could do it full time and have a crew and, and, um, and, and make it a life, you know, a career. That's so far from my, you know, because, you know, I'm doing all right teaching and that's, it's a good career and I've got the benefits and it's sort of like you're, you're institutionalized, you know, it's like, I'm in now, you know, I got 11 years. I just got to ride this out for another 20, man. It'll be fun. You know? So I feel like I'm in Shawshank a bit there with that mindset. I was,
1: I was going there because you are, I feel the same way as a teacher. Sometimes it's just like, I don't know if I can make it on the outside. Like this this is the, the world I know.
2: Well, and I'm not a spring chicken anymore, you know, and, and every year I teach, I'm getting older, and they're staying the same age, to, to quote uh, Matthew McConaughey. But, uh, the, you know, I understand them less every year. I, the cult, like, culturally, we're becoming more and more different, and um, so it's harder to connect with the students in some ways. And I also don't have the energy I used to as a, as a really young teacher, you know. And you see those old teachers that have been doing it for like 25 years and they're just kind of like going to look dead inside. You know, they kind of stroll the halls, dragging their feet, you know, just kind of staring off, you know, in the distance. It's the life they could have had or something. I don't want to be that guy. But um, but I do love teaching saying having said that I do love my job. I do. You know, there's this really altruistic, intrinsic motivation i feel with it i get to go in and educate and spend time with young people and they're so full of of life and potential and you know blah yada yada, yada.
1: i mean but, pretty, mu- pretty much what you're saying is what all teachers that listen to this and me included you just found a really good side hustle because all of us teachers have to have one and you found one that you're passionate about and now yes. it's going places yeah. and which is awesome for yeah. you and uh and, it's neat. and it's we neat. love to see it so as caleb said You know, not dropping your next project, but obviously you're wanting to keep growing and you're wanting to hopefully do some other things.
2: Right. Well, uh, so I haven't uh, dropped any of it yet, but I went to the Bahamas uh, with uh, Gills Fly Fishing International. A company uh, does guided trips out of Toronto in uh, June. We spent a week down there on Andros Island bone fishing, and so I've got some stuff coming out from that. Um, I would like to do more of those just family travel videos like I did recently and do it like do it the right way. You know, Um, have some dialogue, have some interview, kind of like I do the other stuff, Uh, because, I mean, I like to travel. People like those. I've recently bought a off road teardrop uh, camper. Uh, And when Liam, my son, who just turned two, gets a little older, we're going to be going out in it more. And so um, not overlanding video necessarily, but, you know, a little bit of that. No, but let's talk
1: about that because you brought that up, and I think it. I think that's something that we can all learn. Um, in this episode, we always try to, you know, one of our things we try to do here at Dads on the Fly is just inspire and encourage dads. And here you are, a successful filmmaker, a guy who has realized he knows what he's doing now that you've done this, and the most recent thing you dropped is like a ten minute clip. Uh, a ten-minute little, little mini film of of you and your family on vacation, and so you took something that you're passionate about, you took something that you're good at, um, and and you brought it into your home, and it's it's real, real, and it's cool. I I liked watching it the other day. I checked it out, and just seeing that, and so I think I don't I don't know how you feel about it, but I thought maybe you probably didn't do that for millions of views. You did it more for like, wow, I'll have this of my kid when he's. <laughs> when he's 16 um oh, yeah. and I, and i'll have that always and and that that's really cool that you took what you're passionate about and i think as dads we can we can all say you know whether you're passionate about music or art or you know whatever it is that you do share that with your kids and and you did that through that little film
2: Yeah, as, as dads uh, you know i think we have a lot of responsibilities to our children and uh you know so I, there's this sort of I want to promote, you know, being outdoors and and traveling and all that sort of stuff with him. But I I was also kind of I sort of decided last minute to to film, you know, I knew I'd take a few pictures. Uh, We went on a trip last summer. I didn't even hardly pick up the camera because I just wanted to enjoy the trip. And you don't want to, you know, when you're a photographer and you're out there and you're in an experience, there's a great sunset and you're with people you love. You almost don't want to pick up the camera because it sort of takes you out of it especially because you can get angry because maybe some condition isn't working for the picture. When if you just set the camera down and just soak it in, you know, you'd be actually living your life. And then there's the other component. Well, did I want to film because I'm putting my child and my wife, like my immediate, my most important things in my life out there on the internet, right? Right. For any goon to watch and like, am I exploiting my family for, you know, and it's just, I don't know, there's this weird thing there. And I don't want my son to be a narcissist. You know, I don't want him to be like, oh, I'm a YouTube star, you know, or, you know, <laughs> stupid like that. He's a YouTuber you know? too, man. Yeah, he starts walking around like that, smacking <laughs> That's how you're going to pay for your retirement. <laughs> my kid, the YouTuber. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't want him yeah. to be on screens, you I know. That. And so, so it's, I don't know, you know, but it's, but yeah, it, I think of it sort of this way. It's the modern and I justify it to myself this way, too, because I do I still have some of those concerns. And I even have those concerns with the fishing videos, too, because you're putting out there places that people love to go and not the whole world knows about. And you might be bringing more attention to something and thus putting more pressure on it. And so you go back and forth with that, you know. Um, But we live in the, the age of the Internet. You know, when I was a kid, when you guys were kids, you'd have a birthday party and your parents would put the big camcorder up on their shoulder, have put plop a VHS in the thing and video it. Um, and then you'd go back and watch it, you know, never or, you know, a couple of times, maybe a few years down the road. I mean, that's kind of what I'm doing to, for, to me. Yeah. Um, and and I, I'm not I want to do a good job, though, too, just because I want to challenge myself to film things well.
1: But that just brought so. up a great memory of, of when we were on vacation once with mom and dad when we were kids, and we had one of those camcorders. We were up here in the mountains. Oh, like, yeah, we didn't yeah, live yeah. here, but we were up here in the mountains. We lived in South Carolina then, and we've got our cell phone um, filming us at, like, Sliding Rock and a bunch of waterfalls. And I don't even think – I think it was on one of those discs that don't even work in things now because it yeah, had, it's like, like the, the little, like the little things, VHS. Little little that was discs.
2: Yeah, a little
0: mini disc. That's <laughs> it, man.
2: You need but, to find it. They still work. You but, just set it inside. The but just a,
1: imagine if we had like YouTube then, or if we yeah. would have been able to put. So no, that, nobody would want to watch that. No, though. but <laughs> we would. Have, but we would have it to access better when we yeah, were sitting around sure, at Christmas yep. or whatever to look at this stupid video of me when yeah. I was twelve to my yeah. kids that are now twelve or yeah. you know coming to be twelve. Look what daddy used to. This is how daddy swam in the waterfall. So yeah. yeah, it's. I totally get what you're doing, and it's. I think it's it's a great point. Like you kind of wrestle with yourself with it but i understand what you're saying and and i and i feel it from all sides you don't want you know your most precious people in your life to necessarily be out there for everybody but man it was it was cool and if you go on bluff lines uh youtube page you can see the the newest video it's a cool little clip and you obviously got great footage man all your stuff's got great footage so well
2: i'm enjoying what i'm doing sorry and it's uh it was a lot of work to film damn you know, 50 minute thing. I was down in the man cave editing for hours and hours and hours. And that took me away from my family. Liam's getting to a point now at two where he's, he's getting to be a lot of fun, you know, uh, he's doing more and he's trying to talk more and all this. And so I want to be there for that. I don't want to be down here editing all the time. Um, and so like, how can I incorporate my, hobby and my family together and still keep this going bluff line like where is it going I, you know i'm gonna still do some fly fishing short films over the next couple of years it may take that long i want to at least get 10 of those ozark on the fly uh, episodes done the mountain biking is growing like crazy in northwest arkansas i might start getting into that a little more i don't really do it but it's just right i live right here next to all that and so it seems silly not to film some of that I'm probably going to start doing some weddings every now and then. Uh, it's like you say, I'm a teacher. It's a side hustle uh, and it's fun. I don't, I want it to continue to be fun. Mm. Um, so, you know, but it's one of those things. Like I never expected um, the guys from Canada to call me up and say, Hey, let's send you down to the Bahamas and get s- stuff for us. Um, and I'm open to that. Like, you know, yeah. if you, uh, you ever need a
1: um, bag carrier like if they include like, Hey, I just need to, uh, you have my number now, just throwing that out there. Uh, I was I, able to I, was I carry to stuff pretty good.
2: <laughs> I did catch a couple of bonefish. Oh, so uh, awesome. that yeah, a boy, I, that man, before. that's,
1: that's on our kind of list of adventures. We, man, I can't wait to see your bonefish footage. I'm sure that'll be a great story. Um, yeah. Cause that's kind of, well, heard it's I like not you know,
2: that's promo stuff for them. So that probably won't come out in the same form as my other stuff, you know, it's, yeah. but it's like, And there's, there's the other thing, if I ended up doing more of that, and especially if it became a career, well, that's a whole life change. Again, my my wife and I are both teachers, we're on the same schedules, which is great for having a child, summers off together, all that stuff. Okay, so if bluff line, if I did that full time, and I was traveling, gone a week here, gone two weeks there, off to wherever, um, gosh, and just leaving my wife here to, to deal with, you know, that's, I don't I don't know that, that would be a life improvement, even if I if it is sort of quote unquote the dream, you know. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's a big thing though that you said that on um, and we talk about that a lot. Yeah. Just it's good. Making smart decisions for your family. It's awesome. Yeah.
2: yeah, you think you'd like you'd want the thing, right? Yeah. But sometimes yeah. if you get the thing, you're like, yeah.
1: It's not what you not
2: grass
0: isn't always greener. Like, I mean yeah. for sure. Well, this has been an awesome
1: conversation, Andrew. Joshua, anything before we kind of wrap this up? Now I just hope that everybody caught what uh, what Andrew said there, without you know being extremely di- direct. On we didn't approach like, "Hey, what makes you a great dad?" or "What do you think um, as you're learning to have a, a young a young son?" But but he said it right there, and what he said, um, I think that last bit right there was very powerful. About you can tell that you are a guy who loves your hobby that has become a business. But you've got your priorities and you know, you want to take care of your, your kid and your wife first. And so we appreciate that and we respect that wholeheartedly. And thank you very much for the content you put out, man. I'm I'm telling you, I just I, I, I watch, I go down and watch videos all the time on YouTube. And when I found Bluffline, it was one that I was like, Caleb, you've got to check these videos out. You these are these are high they just they tell great stories. Maybe it's the history teacher connection. I don't know. What the, both of us have, but, but to me, that quality to me that's what it is. Oh, yeah, footage it's, it's just, I
0: mean, some of the places you go and the way you capture it is is fantastic. So, so folks, check them
1: out. Bluffline, uh, Andrew, where's the best place to, yeah, to tell find them all, all your stuff? Social and, and yeah, check uh, you out.
2: It's just just and on YouTube, you just type in Ozarks on the flyer Bluffline Media. Uh, follow me on there. The subscribers help a lot. Um, and thank you guys for having me so much. I mean, it, like like you talk about my stories. I uh, just it if it's about the people, and I mean, I think a lot of what we do as fishermen, we we're trying to have some moment to ourselves so we can be better for the people around us when we're not fishing. I mean, I think that's a lot of it, but also the camaraderie. I mean, you you're uh brothers. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're brothers, you go out together, you know, you you build that relationship and you keep it going and you don't drift apart. And and so a lot of what we do as fishermen is it's, it's about the people. And so that's why I, I bring it into the story because that's what really life is about. Other people, it's not about the stupid fish, you know, and, uh, <laughs> they never cooperate. And the fact that you guys are, are bringing fishing and, and the whole dad thing, the familial, uh, discussions, uh, into it, I think is awesome. Uh, it's not so, um, one dimensional, Uh, It's got a little more depth, and I I wish you guys the best of luck. You you guys do a great job with this podcast, and uh, I've enjoyed listening to some of the episodes. So I appreciate you having me.
1: Appreciate you, Andrew. Thanks so much. That's
0: Andrew from Buffline Media. Thanks, Andrew. We really appreciate it. Thanks, everyone, for checking this interview out. And until next time, tight lines. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dads on the Fly podcast. We hope this episode has inspired and encouraged you as a parent or an angler as we wade through faith, family, and fishing all on the fly. Make sure to check us out at dadsonthefly.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Dads on the Fly. Shoot us a message as we always love hearing from you all. If you'd like to check out any Dads on the Fly merchandise, you can find it there as well. And as always, if you can, leave us a rating or review and share this podcast with a friend. Until next time, tight lines.